Every June, after the neighborhood hummingbirds have settled in for the summer, I bring my feeders in for several weeks while the birds are focused on insects and natural nectar. Hot weather makes the sugar water spoil within a day or two, and the main takers are wasps anyway. Sugar is not an environmentally friendly crop, so I don't like to waste it. I set the feeders out again the second or third week of July. This year, I've had a minimum of three ruby-throated hummingbirds every single day from then through Saturday, September 16th, and at least two still on Sunday the 17th, the latest by at least 10 days that I've ever had more than a single straggler. Wednesday, September 20th was the first day since July that I went entirely hummingbirdless. During years when I'm not able to pay attention to my feeders, this is the point at which I bring them all in. Sugar water ferments as well as serves as a medium for bacteria and fungus, so even during cool spells I like to change the water at the very least every three or four days. I'd been keeping five feeders out there, but today I brought in three of them. The probability is low that a single hummingbird will visit, but that's better than the zero probability if I don't leave out any feeders. At this point, just about every ruby-throated hummingbird really is gone from northern Minnesota. Over the years, I've had a single straggler ruby-throat once during the last week of September and once the first week of October. If a late one does pass by Peabody Street, I don't want it to leave here hungry. But if a hummingbird does show up now, it's more likely to be a species not found in field guides to eastern North America. The rufous hummingbird, which breeds in the Rocky Mountains all the way up to Alaska, is the most likely suspect when a late hummer appears. My yard happens to be where Minnesota's only December rufous hummingbird sightings have ever taken place. In 2004, one showed up on November 17th and stuck around until mid-morning December 3rd. The second one showed up down the block from me before Halloween in 2021. She showed up in my yard within minutes of my hearing about her and setting out a feeder on November 8th, and she came by many times a day until December 4th, leaving in mid-afternoon just after wind shifted to the north, giving her a tailwind. But rufous hummingbirds are not the only outliers that show up in fall. Here in Minnesota, we've had four records of Anna's hummingbird in October, November, and December, one Costa's hummingbird seen from September to November, and one Calliope hummingbird seen in November and December. Mexican violet ears have turned up more than once in Wisconsin in late fall, as have Allen's hummingbird, green-breasted mango, and broad-billed hummingbird. Leaving a feeder out late does not in any way, shape, or form lure these birds from their normal range. The only way they ever find out about a feeder is by passing it when they're already far out of their expected range. 
With food growing increasingly scarce as winter approaches, they may linger for days or weeks when they do find a feeder, but based on my experiences with the two late rufous hummingbirds, there are still a surprising number of tiny insects out there. I watched mine darting at bugs near the branch tips of my white spruce trees and flitting this way and that in our raspberries and dogwood. Whether or not you keep feeders available late in fall, the insects that native plants support are incredibly important for late hummingbirds, warblers, and other beloved birds. If you happen to end up with an out-of-range rarity, it's extremely valuable to report it. The single best way is via eBird.org. My own experience with having dozens of birders showing up in my yard has been very positive. Virtually everyone is so grateful that a homeowner is sharing such a cool thing that they honor every rule you set, from whether they can come into your yard or must stay outside the fence, to where they should park. Don't count your hummingbirds before they show up, but when they do, sharing the wealth with the birding community usually compounds our own joys. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.